Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250 premium podcasts annually. Got things on a weekly basis covering the waiver wire, dynasty trading, got a trade calculator as well. Have your best dynasty season yet in 2022. Prep for the season, execute the season, win dynasty championships this year and going forward. Katie, we actually have some hot stove news here. And you know what? July, there's really nothing. We're waiting on Deshaun Watson. We got a few other things, but you know what? First round pick on the move, Nikhil Harry going to the Bears and it's first seventh round pick in about five years. So uh, this is a, a dump. I mean, Nikhil Harry is set to, he's almost done with his rookie contract. I, I thought of one funny quip, which is he makes Jalen Reger look like a massive hit <laughs> so far in his career. So as a Patriots fan, Nikhil Harry is there any single-digit probability here that somehow with the Patriots just not a good fit and it could work out on a depth chart that is relatively open? Doubt it. Okay. I really highly doubt it. Um, if if you throw a rock into the ocean, Time does the ocean feel the rock? I doubt it. It doesn't. Uh, I don't think this moves the needle at all. I don't think it makes... Nikhil Harry must have waiver wire pickup. Yeah, and, and I think you got to be careful not to get sucked in because situation means you have to take advantage of the situation. We've said this before with running backs that maybe aren't going to withhold that job, quarterbacks that are going to have, here you go, here's the starting job. If you're not good, you don't keep it. And then right. wide receiver, it's even harder to matter. So if he's behind Mooney and it's not a good passing game, he's behind Komet, I would argue even if Harry is better or turn things around or something wasn't the right in New England, I would still ask the question, what's the end game from now till January and why would you use the roster spot on that? So he strikes me as if he's rostered, you try to get some marginal upgrade. I'd take waiver dollars for him if you still held on on the prospect that something happened. Something just happened. And the depth chart is good enough that you could say, Eh, you know, give me a fourth, give me, you know, 5% waiver dollars or whatever, but this is your only chance. And like you said, he's probably on more waiver wires than he's rostered at this point in time. Yeah. And dynasty, uh, I don't trust him and I don't necessarily trust Justin Fields and the whole Chicago offense. To be honest, I don't, I just don't think it's a great fit. Yeah. And we're both doing Scott Fishbowl. I mean, Justin, for example, uh, one of my things is I'm not going to go after these bad offenses and the Bears, Justin Fields, Godspeed. Hope it works out for you. Hopefully you run around and you offer a lot fantasy wise because it looks rough. This looks right. rough and they've done the opposite of Zach Wilson, right? I mean, Zach yeah. Wilson, they constantly double, triple down. Look at James Winston. Look at how much his weapons could be improved this year versus last year. And then you've got Darnell Mooney, 
and they shed Allen Robinson. They didn't really address it. They got some 25-year-old rookie that hasn't produced in college, and now they get Nikhil Harry. These are not upgrades. These are not additions. This is almost like addition by subtraction. Like This doesn't mean you're going to be any better, and you might even be worse because you're going to funnel things towards Nikhil Harry, let's say. So I, I feel bad for Justin Fields, but he's really on the path to be 0 for 2 for two years. And I can't, he's insulated for now, but all these 2021 rookies, I do wonder quarterback wise, what's going to happen to their value depending on what they do this year. It's a critical take a step forward type sophomore season for them. It's so hard at quarterback. You look at the history of quarterbacks, first round quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, they were top guys. And there was argument who was the top guy between the two. And now they're both, potential like Jameis Winston is a reclamation project. Marcus Mariota is a reclamation product. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a top pick. Sam Darnold was a top pick in the same class. Now they both have their own battles. Like it's tough in the NFL as a quarterback to stake your claim until you stake your claim as a quarterback. You haven't done anything. You haven't. Yeah. Over at UTH, I do a series about when you're super flex league. And one of the things I do is I just kind of look at the quarterback landscape and I have way less teams I'm confident in. And I view as quote unquote stable at quarterback than last year. And I think in the history of this exercise that I do annually in the summer. And when you start looking at, you know, I looked back and last year, for example, we had Aaron Rodgers of, is he going to be traded? Is he going to force his way out of Green Bay? We have we had the, is Tom Brady going to play more? And obviously now you view Aaron Rodgers as more stable based on, you know, where we were 12 months ago, Tom Brady though, it's a year to year thing, but you look at who's on a two, three year window that, you know, they're happy. Everything's amicable. They're good enough to keep the job. I mean, we're talking, it's like half the league, half the league where you actually have confidence. Like, I think there's plenty of guys that you say, if this season goes poorly, it's not like an Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. And remember all those veterans that would have that one down year, Matt Ryan, and then they fall into like QB 25. And then they bounce back up because they're good players. They've been good for 10 years. They had a down year. And I just think there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are established enough to have that Eli Manning down year where he throws 22 picks and he's still easily the starter the following year. And and that's the what really takes it away. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is super insulated if this season goes poorly. Like he bounced back, but he's been in decline after that magical stretch. And but but I think there's so many hidden situations that if this is your quarterback one in, in a premium format, you can't feel good. And it's basically about half the league. Yeah. I mean, there's some young studs at the top, and then there's a bunch of young wannabes that people are projecting. And that's the tough, that's, that's the slippery slope. Trey Lance is the one. Trey Lance right. is the one. Trey Lance is the epitome of you, you are overvalued. You better put up or. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on that roster. And yeah. until he's not, I'm not going to shut up about it. He has a legitimate chance. And I'm sure there's people in that organization that view him as we have our best chance to win with that guy under center. Week one, week 12, this season, we, we have our best shot with Garoppolo. And until he's gone, and frankly, what's the last team standing that would be interested? Seattle. Do they want him to go in division? I don't know. So the, that they're the last ones at musical chairs for quarterback, realistically, 
for a right. starting part. Not that Garoppolo has a say or anything, but just uh, again, I just find that a little interesting that until until he's gone, he is the starter. At no point has Trey Lance been the starter over Jimmy Garoppolo, so it's his job to lose. Garoppolo's job. Yeah, to lose. Uh, and and the thing is, is people are so willing to anoint quarterbacks before they've done anything. Yep. Trey Lance is the perfect example of that. But I mean, even any of the younger guys, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, but is he, he one good year? Be a consistent top twelve? Is he going to be consistent top five? If he's if he's top twelve, he will eventually fade because there will be somebody sexier coming down the road, down the pipe. Well, the problem with Burrow that it, I mean, he's literally four. He can't. I mean, is he going to be over Mahomes, Allen, or Herbert? And I think it's a tough. That's a tough hurdle for any quarterback right now to crack. And you're saying Burrow is the next, the next one. Like that's the the riskiest spot to value a quarterback right now is the four spot. And, and yeah, like it, it just seems like between, well, Burrow, Burrow to some degree, but you start going down the, the rabbit hole of guys like Kyler Murray. I mean, Lawrence is, is way up into the top 15. Jalen Hurts has a ton of risk, Trey Lance and Fields. And I mean, man, people love their age. They love those young guys. Cause you know what? You typically have a lot of dynasty assets on your team for a decade. Like it really, really matters. That's the thing. Like I, I think too much people are reacting to age at a position where 34, you shouldn't even really bat an eye. But yet, you know, God forbid you go with with Matthew Stafford at 34. You know, but but you better go with Lawrence and Lance and Fields and guys like that because they're so much younger. But we'll right. see. I'm sure I'm sure one of them will do well. One of them will probably turn out. But you've said it before. I mean, what is it, two per class? Is that the that's working the average. average. Yeah. That's the average. Turning into three plus year starters and just kind of stability. Yeah. That's not even second contract, right? That's just right. three years as a starter. No, that's because, becoming a long-term starter to oh, on okay. average yeah. end up being a long-term starter. Yeah. And then otherwise, and we had five from that class. Let's see. Right. Two out yeah. of five, right? We'll and to see. say, and and here's the other thing to say 101 isn't going to be one of them. You generally need to say 101 is going to be one of them. So that, that would just be a historical reminder. I know some people are very down on Trevor Lawrence. Some people are over the moon high, but 101 easily has the best chance to, to accrue that, uh, that moniker when we get down the line. All right. So let's get to uh, we have some, a bunch of different topics this week. We're going to talk some Superflex Dynasty trading as well. We got a Josh Allen trade that we'll discuss. But, uh, but let's talk about recent lessons that or improvements that we've made to our own game, our own toolbox of could be six months, could be last two or three years. How is Katie Flower different in terms of managing our own teams? That could be co-ownership. It could be certain formats that you adapt something a different way. How are you actually managing or uh, running your teams just a little bit different than years ago? I think it's just a nuanced thing. It's not any major change or all of a sudden I've got an epiphany, but it's very nuanced. So I still build my core in a similar fashion. I adapt it to the format first and foremost. That's the most, that's the biggest key that I've learned as a dynasty owner is 
You have to build your team based around the format, the scoring and the format. And you can have the greatest player in the world, but if you only need to start two running backs and you can only start a maximum of three running backs, but you need to start three uh, wide receivers and, and you can start six total, that changes the playing field. So you have to adapt. Adaptability, I think, is the biggest thing that I've learned as a dynasty owner in the last several years is just play the format and the scoring system. Just because a good player is a good player doesn't mean they're necessarily good for that format. Yeah, that's a great one. It, it, basically, what you're alluding to is comparative value. Right. I mean, a guy that might be a 50 in one format could be a 35. And I mean, that's kind of the, the one of the tenets of the UTH trade calculator is, you know, a guy, they're like, oh, I can't believe so and so is quote unquote worth less in this other format. Well, it's a deeper format or tight right. ends come up, quarterbacks come up, and that means wide receiver. The value comes from somewhere and it's comparative. So uh, a tight end might be worth 1.5x of this other guy, uh, a wide receiver, but then in two tight end, it might be 3x. So that that's the the biggest thing, like you said, it's it's knowing the format, but but really putting that into action. Um, I'm going to say uh, two things. One thing is roster allocation. I've been more aggressive with how do I want to play, how do I want to build my teams, and how do I assess that it's going to be most successful for 12 months of the calendar because that can vary from what you think in March versus what you're actually doing in October. And I think aligning your thoughts: Are you a big waiver guy? Are you not a big waiver person? That's one thing. How you use your late rookie picks. I think just marrying all these things of what you're doing in March, what you're doing in your rookie draft needs to align with how you're going to be thinking and managing and operating your team in August, September, December. I think it's super, super key so that you don't end up stepping over yourself. Like I've said before, I mean, if you're someone that wants a lot of waiver spots, you need to think of that, think that way in your startup draft. You need to think that way instead of drafting a fourth round rookie pick that's a wide receiver drafted in round six that's going to be buried on the depth chart. You can't make that pick. And I just think aligning all these things together of what's your DNA, how are you going to play this in season, and make sure that during the offseason, you're thinking of week one when you're making a one for three trade or you are spending your third and fourth rookie picks on something that's not geared towards week one. Um, that, that's been a big one. Uh, did you have thoughts on that? or? Well, yeah. Way? I mean, one of the biggest things that you said, and you kind of buried the lead right there with what is your DNA as an owner? That is critical. You have to assess yourself. Are you a patient owner? If you're not a patient owner, you don't want to be drafting a rookie wide receiver that could take two to three years to produce because they're not going to be on your roster by the time that you get there. You're not. They're not. So you have to understand your own weaknesses and strengths. And are you patient? If you're not a patient owner and you're a, I got to have the pretty team right now. I got to have the team that looks like on paper, they're a paper tiger. Then you have to approach things differently right, wrong, or indifferently, that's the way that you've got to take it. So again, given the choice between 
wide receiver that could take two to three years to develop versus a running back that got drafted to the best landing spot, but they may not be the best talent, you're probably then going to lean towards that Clyde Edwards lair. I'm going to use him as an example because so many owners drafted him over Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins in that big draft a couple years ago when we knew he was a Fugazi. But again, there's hits and misses everywhere. Nobody's 100% perfect. But if you know that you're not a patient owner and you don't think that wide receiver, like Jamison Williams in this year's class is a perfect example. I think he's got all the talent. I think he's got the best talent of most of the wide receivers there. But I think he's going to be off to a slow start. So I haven't bought a lot of him in rookie drafts because I think I got a secondary buy opportunity. I'm going to buy from those impatient right. owners. Unless he goes Odell Beckham, you know, mid mid season, really get like, unless that happens, he's going to be the same price or a little less in January. Right. Right. So why invest now? Right. If you're not a patient owner, well, you're hitting, you're hitting on a big one, timing the market, right? Think right. these things through even at rookie draft time or ask yourself, am I, you know, is this the best time to buy a player? Like I've done a lot of analysis on, on players and whatever your assessment is for certain players this year. I mean, go with that. If you think a player is going to have a down year or take a step back, or it's going to be really tough for them to produce well, but you're interested in them, just wait, just wait it out. And say in November, if it's stinky, maybe you're stashing him for the offseason. Maybe you're trying to acquire them in January. And just now is not the time. That's one thing we've talked about so many times, whether it's our own team or just talking on the show over the years that we've said is, I mean, to think that you have one chance to buy a player ever and that it will only go up and that it will be impossible to buy. I mean, that, that breaks so many mental things that we know. That, that you will have opportunities, an injury, poor play, poor situation around them. Uh, a running back starts to fumble. Jonathan Taylor had a big window early on the first few weeks of that rookie season. Oh, guy can't find a hole. Oh, you know, like he looks horrible, all this kind of stuff. Best running back in the NFL last year. So uh, it's just, so to think you won't have, and right now for Jonathan Taylor, right? A lot of people are like, oh, I got to buy him. There will be a time. He's 23 years old. There will be a time with either poor play, offensive line is horrible, the team is horrible, he gets injured and he's out for the rest of the season. There will be cracks for every single player. And you, you want to know how somebody I somebody up at a bar or <laughs> right. You know, you know how I know this? Patrick Mahomes, if we had talked 24 months ago, there were people that would uh, would have said there will never be a window or a crack to buy Patrick Mahomes. You know what this offseason has been? a crack. You have had a crack to get Patrick Mahomes. And many people thought he would just be like every every season, lock and load. He had a little bit of a down year. Now no Tyree Kill. All of a sudden, insert window. Who knows? Maybe the window stays all the way open till next offseason or next season. But the window is open. It's not a slam the door shut. Don't talk to me. QB1 in Dynasty and going away. So it's not. He's going behind Herbert sometimes. He's going behind Allen every single time. That's a window. In one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory, there's a window to buy him, not as extreme QB1 in Dynasty. So even he qualifies. A little discount is still a discount. 
Exactly. 10%. All, all of a sudden, it means they might take your calls, right? Sometimes they won't right, even take right. your calls. So if they'll yeah. take your calls, all of a sudden, make hey, sure, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Oh, you want some other quarterback plus uh, something and plus something else? And all of a sudden, you got Patrick Mahomes. Um, and the last one is going to be addressing positions in general with more cornerstone profiles. If they happen to be older, I want the production. I want the guy that has been there, done that. I would love it if that profile was Justin Jefferson age, but a lot of times it's not. And so taking 50 shots on younger players and saying, boy, I hope, boy, I hope, and looking at this hand and saying, I hope, let me look at it, still nothing. And the number of times you outright whiff or in 24 months, you're like dropping the player or including them in a two for one, three for one, almost to dump them. It's just not worth it. So going back to the age thing, I've gotten far less sensitive to a wide receiver being 28 and being like, ah, I got to run for the hills. I'm scared. Don't be scared. Keenan Allen, I look forward to him turning into Larry Fitzgerald. I look forward to him ending, you know, ending up just declining gradually, most likely in the next few years. Guy can still play. Guy can ball. And you know what? A 25-year-old would be lucky to run the routes that he runs. So it's hard. Like you just said, it's a hard job. Hard job. Right. None of, none of us have a crystal ball. And everybody's speculating. Everybody is speculating based on what they think and sometimes what the buzz is. And the buzz creates extra buzz and more buzz and all this good stuff. You, you've got to try to figure out to separate the buzz from, from the actual. And nobody knows for certain because every season is different. We're all trying to just speculate the best that we can based on trends, based on trends, based on everything that we've seen. We get to July and we think we know what's going to happen. But part of that is we've been living in this little circular bubble for a couple months since the NFL draft. Wait till things start to happen. Let's go back to last August. Who had Cordero Patterson? Who had Cordero Patterson? Stand up and show receipts. Because I remember like maybe the days leading up, a few people took a spec shot on the waiver wire for Cordero Patterson. It was like that. You looked at the waiver wire, they're like, Cordero Patterson was like running back two or something on the depth chart. You're like, is that right? Is that right? And ended up being wrong because he was running back one. <laughs> so um, let's go over a few of these trades. So Josh Allen right now is the it quarterback. He's the guy that's most untouchable. Well, here's a dynasty trade that made him touchable. Uh, Superflex, we got Josh Allen for Matthew Stafford and the hot guy, the hype guy, Javante Williams. What are your thoughts on, on either side of this one? Yeah, I think that Javante Williams is overhyped and overvalued. So I don't want to make a trade based on that unless I'm giving that to get the Josh Allen. I want the Josh Allen in that situation 100%. Okay. Because pretty much, I mean, even if you really like Stafford, you're giving up a lot of years. You're giving up upside that Stafford doesn't have. I mean, Stafford doesn't have QB1. I mean, he was really good last year. He was a low quarterback one, lower quarterback one, because he doesn't run. So Javante Williams, he pretty much in this deal has to become a stud player, like absolute unequivocal. Maybe that's a Jonathan Taylor type, but he's got to get way up there, way up there. (laughs) At least top six. Well, with it, and we're talking production because guess what? He's already right. there based on hype, which is which right. is really. Do you recall a Javante Williams like situation of a running back this, without with being in a committee, Katie? I know. Have, I, have you seen, I don't. Know. I, I can't recall this. I don't know. I don't recall this. And either. not in a committee I, I with really a don't. schmuck. Melvin Gordon 
a guy yeah. that has routinely put up running back one seasons, former right. round one pick, hasn't and fallen off. And he's looking fine. You look at like, his just, film from this offseason. I know. And that dude's working out. I know. And I just like, and, and everyone's just like, oh, it never happened. Never happened. Yeah. This whole offseason. Yeah. I mean, he has to. Face Other- reality. Put your mirror in your face and look at it. I man. would just remind folks, Javante Williams was in a firm committee with Michael Carter in college. Right. Just saying, not the college, you know, assume rational coaching, but I know they have a lot of touches to go around. But uh, all right, we got one more Javante Williams here. Javante Williams for Sequin Barkley and a 23 first. So Barkley has his own set of risk, but you get the 23 first added on for your troubles. There's no no question. It's Barkley plus the first. Take the two. Barkley himself is a stud. Yeah. If he if he's not injured, he's a stud. Everybody agrees. We know that. And then you got a first on top of it. Right. That first himself is going to be a stud, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver. If it's super flex, there's plenty of quarterbacks. You you got a tight end in the mix. That whole first round of next year's draft in rookie drafts is going to be insane. We're saying this like it's obvious report, but keep in mind, this is going from running back three or four to running back 10 or 12. So I don't think this is that far off from the market. Like you maybe say it's a second or something just less than a first, but this is closer than, I mean, we think it's a slam dunk, but we also think Sequan Barkley for the next two or three years could road great Williams in production. The first doesn't even matter. It's like gravy. It's, it's icing. Right. So say what you said again, you said, that ADP wise is the RB what versus the RB one? You know, three or four versus ten to twelve. Okay, but see, and that's my whole. That's point. the problem. I know that's the problem. Right. So, so I'm saying a Javante first would, would do that gap. Uh, Javonta Williams is projected, projected hasn't done it. He's got to be Jonathan Taylor this year for He's, that valuation right. to pay off. He has to be 2021 Jonathan Taylor. And I think Saquon Barkley's more likely to, to do, do that, that yeah. than Javonta Williams. Even agree, and then you get a first on top of it. Agree. There's I no know. question. There's it's like wouldn't even. It there wouldn't are some match. people out there that think Sequan Barkley at 25 as a former 102 pick is done. They that's, think they're never. You're never going to see dynamic Sequan Barkley again. That's where you win in dynasty. Is I know. You find those owners yeah. that value the Javante Williams that hasn't done anything. Yeah. The Trey Lance. That hasn't done anything that you want to trade them. This is like getting Matthew Stafford in a first for Trey Lance. Right. It's the same sort of thing. All right. We got uh, Kyle Pitts, no frills, one PPR. So no big premium on tight end here. And no, not, not too. Correct. Yeah. Just stock league. We got Kyle Pitts for Stefan Diggs and Dallas Goddard. Kyle Pitts. For Stefan Diggs and Dallas and, Goddard. And Goddard, yes. Again, you got to be stupid. It's Stefan Diggs Whoa. and Dallas Goddard. Whoa, you got to be stupid. Okay. In a, in a star one quarter, uh, Kyle yeah, Pitts. Is. I know. If you, okay. Kyle Pitts has been anointed. I love the guy. The new Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates. But will he consistently year I know. He, year? And even if you look at his stats from last year, they were good for a rookie. He doesn't even have a quarterback. But, but do right. what they do. Drake London might be better than him. Well, exactly. Maybe. Exactly. You don't know. But the whole thing is, is like he's already anointed as somebody that's done it year over year over year. If he can do it three years in a row, then he deserves what. But this is, offered. but but the margin is so small in one tight end. 
Right. Like right. we're not even talking two PPR. We're n- if this is a two tight end deal, this feels this feels right. It may even be a little light, but it's not two tight end. That's the thing. We're living and in a I different love world here. Kyle Pitts. Right. I love Kyle Pitts. But sharpshooting the next great young tight end that's going to do it year over year over year. I mean, Diggs has what window? He's attached to Josh Allen. Dallas Goddard is one of the most talented tight ends in the NFL. And he's still middle-aged for a tight end. Right. Who's who's to say if Goddard outscores Pitts over the next couple of years, this is an absolute train wreck. Right. It's a right. train wreck. All right. Uh, we got Deshaun Watson in Superflex traded for Derek Carr and Ezekiel Elliott. Right now, with everything the way that it is, I'd take the Derek Carr side. Uh, you think Carr is going to have his best year? I think Carr is underrated. I do. I think yeah. he's he's got some really great weapons around him, reunited with his college sweetheart Devonte Adams, and plus you got Darren Waller and and the running game Josh Jacobs plus Samir White and all the others. It's like, uh, I I just I think that he's so underrated. I think this is the most fair deal of the ones discussed. Yes, because I, I because if Derek Carr doesn't hit heights you know like he had that one mvp-esque season i don't know if he actually won it but he was on that path before injury i think and zeke is 27 so again especially if watson misses half the year most of the year or something like that definitely over the next two years you could see the car side winning and then the moment zeke is not you know running back one overall top 12 guy year over year it's going to shift to watson this is a deal that i think can work out for both sides because I think you accelerate the clock to when Watson's playing, it's A, very fair, if not the Watson side winning. So I think it's really interesting on the timetable and what you're looking for. Carr could have a better season on a per-game basis than Watson wherever he plays this year, uh, number of games. So I think for a couple of years, Carr side could easily win, and then it could whiplash to Watson, and it's like, oh, that's pretty easy. So. And I think that Carr is a good enough quarterback and his age isn't that far different from yeah. Watson where there you get enough of an edge with Zeke now for two or three years. Right. That's enough of a cushion to say, okay, Derek Carr's within two to three fantasy points per week of Deshaun Watson or or has as much win over uh replacement. Yeah. yeah um and Zeke, I, uh, Jordan McNair actually had a pretty good analogy. He was like, he's going to be the new Frank Gore. He's going to be the guy that everyone wants to push out for year after year after year. And he's a bulldog and watch him be some leading carrier for, for his depth chart at 31. And know? Leonard Fournette, same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. We got one more Patrick Mahomes on the move. So we got Mahomes and Superflex for Lamar Jackson and Ezekiel Elliott. So Zeke being used as a, used as a, a grease in the wheels piece here as well. Right. It's close. It's what you it's what you need right now, because down in the future, I think Patrick Mahomes is the longer term, better quarterback for the career. I think Lamar Jackson could either burn out, hurt out or because he's not the greatest passer, not develop, fade out. Exactly. So I think that long term the overall win would be Patrick Mahomes, but short-term Zeke with Lamar Jackson might get you a couple championships and then you can cruise on, fade on, whatever. Right. And, and maybe you could trade Lamar Jackson for a bag before you get 
before you got exposed. I don't know. I mean, it's all timing. I, I will point out one thing uh, because we haven't talked about this angle yet. It hasn't really applied to one of these trades. But if you quote unquote need running back, I don't know if divesting from Patrick Mahomes is really the way to do it. Like, couldn't you like the the angle I would put out is what if you go about after Zeke alone with right. something different? What if you go after Leonard Fournette or James Conner or We've said it before. What if you just trust the guys you got, right? I mean, what if you get to September and let's see where the chips fall? Spend more roster spots at running back. That that can fix things. Zeke is great. Again, I think he's going to have a top 10 year again. So I, I, I love him at his price point, but you're doing it in a big way. Mahomes to a minus quarterback and getting Zeke. I just think that's the wrong way to do it. Like, so that's what I would point out, like quote unquote addressing running back. And that's the no- notable thing here. Like you're getting cutesy at quarterback, so you can get a running back. And I would just say you have you have almost every team in the league. There's an angle for you to get a running back from them. But to play devil's advocate, if yeah. Lamar Jackson does improve enough as a passer, oh, he could be he could be one hundred one. Yeah. He's no doubt putting oh, up yeah. fantasy points. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get hurt, it's possible for him to job, outscore Mahomes the next two three years. It's possible. Right, but it's possible that he scores close enough that with the bonus of Zeke, Zeke for free, right? That it makes the difference for you to and win. Like you, and like you said, we're not we're not like you know the hundred percent prognosticator. So right. we may sit here and be like Lamar Jackson. Oh my God, it's scary that he runs like a running back. But you know what? I, and here's what I keep coming back to with Lamar Jackson. He has had good passing seasons. He threw for like thirty five touchdowns. And the other part is, go back to Louisville. This is a guy that has been doing this for years. And it's so rare someone gets a clean shot on him. He's that good. I mean, he's he's a better... I, I watched every single snap in the NFL of Michael Vick. He is tougher to tackle than Michael Vick. Vick had speed, he had agility, but in style-wise and elusiveness, he didn't run like this guy. Right. Vick got blown right. up. He had plenty of times. He got absolutely his doors blown off as a runner. Jackson, I, I tell you, if, you're a fa- if your favorite team is playing the Ravens, it must be super frustrating because you watch and you're like, we can't get this guy. And you know what? That's been happening probably since high school. I don't know. Anyway, I, I know it was happening at Louisville because I watched it. And so we keep myself, this is me calling out myself. I keep doubting him. I keep saying he's super risky. He's been playing this way his whole life. He doesn't know anything different. So he may turn into Cam Newton. He may get beat up. He may lose... 20% of his athleticism, and that's it. That's it. In three or four years, we're like, remember the shooting star of Lamar Jackson. But it hasn't happened. <laughs> it hasn't happened at all yet. So I'm talking in circles, but I think he's fascinating. I think Lamar Jackson is fascinating as a dynasty asset because, like you just said, he could be the number one fantasy quarterback two years in a row. And that wouldn't surprise anybody. So, final right. thoughts, Katie. What do you got? All right. So this. Past week, I was doing some team uh, training in Memphis. And after I got done with the training, just like usual, I asked, hey, does anybody want to talk football? So I start chit-chatting with this one guy. And then it went to fantasy football. And then it went to dynasty fantasy football. So I'd like to give a shout out to buddy, John from Memphis, who is in dynasty leagues, which most of the time when I meet people on the road, they do redraft, but not dynasty. This guy, John in Memphis, is a dynasty dude. So 
hat tip and great conversation. Nice to meet you. Excellent. Excellent. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a page from your book because I usually don't do the shout outs, but I do remember I met somebody a few weeks back. Um, it was in uh, Sarasota in Florida. And again, could have called this out in, in previous shows, but Mark, uh, we, he's he's big into fantasy, but he's the typical guy. He plays redraft leagues. And we started talking. He's like, hey, oh, you got a website. And you know, he actually, I met him. And the next time I saw him, he said he listened to my podcast. He he found he knew my name. He searched it. He did all the digging on himself. I don't self promote and things like that. But uh, but again, he said he's interested in Dynasty. He thinks it's really cool. Uh, he certainly has a lot of pull. It sounds like with his friends, maybe he's going to start a Dynasty league. And to just remember back to being a redraft guy or an auction keeper guy or you know just something less than full blown Dynasty. I will just say, Mark, if you're out there, if you're listening to this one episode, that it's a fun journey. A lot of times you go and you don't come all the way back. Uh, you know, you're going to end up playing more Dynasty, and now redraft is going to be kind of the funsy thing you do and pick up in in August a little bit. That uh, Katie and I do a little bit of redraft, but certainly not uh, the bulk of our time, attention, and talents. And that's the that's the way it pulls you. You know, some of these formats just take you in, and, and Dynasty is one that will take you in. And we, we always say, if you're a redraft team, a redraft uh, player, and you dominate. Guess what? The sad thing is you get to December, January, and your team is gone. It's into a puff of smoke. In Dynasty, imagine you get to keep that team. That That's kind of how it goes. If you're good, you you almost graduate from redraft to Dynasty. And uh, again, that's just what, what sucked me in years and years ago to start Dynasty content, to analyze uh, startup drafts, the team building process, which is just so fun and fascinating and still get to talk to YouTube subscribers and listeners. I just recorded two war rooms with folks that are in fun, fun auction and uh, drafts coming up uh, this month going on, I think right now or next week. And so you'll get to hear those. Hopefully, you know we don't get too far into training camp before I release those uh, and maybe they become stale or something like that. But uh, really, really fun stuff. And I'll shout out and give myself work, which is Subscribe to the Trade Calculator. Get yourself a UTH draft board if you got a startup draft coming up in the next few weeks. And I'd love to talk war room, interrogation room, uh, talk strategy, help you with your draft. Also help UTH subscribers with their own draft and their own team building ideas. Because uh, again, we uh, are um, iron sharpens iron. You know that that we all help each other to uh, become dominant players. And there's already a ton of dominant uh, UTH players in your leagues. Because uh, we always talk about that's the division of death or that's the uh, the tough stuff. You get three or four like-minded folks in the same league, all of a sudden, just, just buttonheads. All right. Uh, Katie, between episodes, if you want to reach out to her, she can help you with your draft as well. Plenty of great resources there at FF underscore Skyler399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.